The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as education and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. While generally considered safe for work by way of content, some language may be considered offensive by more sensitive viewers or listeners. Alright, cans on, mic's up, level's good. You got me over there? Alright, let's roll. This is Booth to Booth, your direct line to the latest in home voiceover production. With your favorite home VO experts throughout the industry, all across the internet, and all around the world. Booth to Booth is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network, NBBN. The focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media, making your media matter. By Booth Stuff, unique VO fashion and swag that's as loud and proud as you are. And by the kind support of our viewers and listeners all around the world via Kofi. Kofi, helping you give back to the creators that help you the most. The session clock is running and all the mics are hot. So let's patch in and get this session started. Here's your host, VO coach, narrator, and producer, Andrew Scott. And hello and welcome back to the second season of Booth to Booth. I, of course, am Andrew Scott. And today I'm speaking with one of my favorite people in the VO sphere. Spear? Boy, I forgot how to talk in the intervening time. He, of course, is the man with the VO Freedom Masterclass, and he's here to talk about uh, all the stuff that's changed in the last eight months. It's my good buddy, Paul Schmidt from Paul Schmidt VO Pro. How you doing, Paul? Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet. A little bit of stuff has changed since we last talked at the beginning of 2023. And uh, yeah, I really wanted to talk to you. We we kind of came across each other's radar again when we were posting very similar content at the same time uh, on our YouTube channels. uh, you know, first off, how things been for you? Uh, how are how's business? How's life? All that good stuff. Well, I suppose I've been relatively lucky. Uh, I think you know, business has been good for me. Uh, not quite what it is. We'll say uh, you know, I'm a, I'm about flat with last year, mm-hmm. and that's not normal for right. me. And the more I talk to people, uh, it's it's become pretty clear that the whole industry is is going through a slow period, uh-huh. uh, and some would argue a generational slow period. A lot of people have never seen it this slow. Uh, yeah, uh, there are of course people having screaming success, uh, and I've been somewhere in the middle. I've been pretty pretty flat the last year. I will say though that when I talk to people outside of voiceover. It's also true for them, for other creative freelancers, for entrepreneurs. And I think that uh, certainly you, you mentioned, you know, there's been so much change even th- just this year in 2023. Uh, nobody this time last year had ever heard of ChatGPT. Uh, nobody really used the term generative AI conversationally. Right. And then suddenly January, February, March hits and we're all knee deep in yeah. it, right? I do think, though, that we, especially in voiceover, we're giving AI 
too much credit for the disruption that we're seeing right now, the, the economic disruption. Interesting. I think that it's a factor. I think it's definitely a factor, especially in the lower tier work. Uh, but I don't think it's the huge hairy monster that we make it out to be just yet. I think that there, uh, the, there are global economic factors at play, and I also think that it's going to take us the better part of the rest of maybe the decade to fully get past the ripple effects from COVID-19. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of my viewers and listeners we're expecting you and I to probably delve into AI, uh, you know, up to our chins. I think you're absolutely right in your assessment of the ripple effects of the pandemic in our industry. And honestly, in the solo content creator sphere and in the gig economy, I think that, and it might very well be because we're all still suffering a little bit of PTSD about the whole thing and will be for well into the future, if not the rest of our generation's lives. Um, I do think that the pandemic put a couple things in front of us that we didn't expect. We didn't know how to navigate. And I say that in both a good and a bad way. Um, I've mentioned to people quite a bit that when, when COVID really hit, my business blew up. I was, I was busier than I'd ever been. And then of course, it's because of the transition of so much uh, so much educational material, so much information material, uh, you know, online. And then we need voices and we need to get this information out. And, uh, you know, how many people wrote books? I mean, I know I wrote a book during the pandemic. And so there was this sudden need for more trained professional voices combined with, I think, a an acceptance of slightly lower quality in order to get the information out. That, and that doesn't mean that a bunch of us started generating garbage. I don't, I don't want to come off saying that, but I, I right. do want to say right. that there was a, a higher level of acceptance of what constituted good enough dude. But really, I think that you're right in your assessment that the pandemic is going to be rippling through our economy and our business easily into the 2030s. Um, and that, that change that we're now experiencing, I think you're right, is not caused by AI it is exacerbated or, or maybe given a little bit more oxygen by artificial intelligence. What are you seeing right now, though, that you're noticing in the market? Um, you know, again, I, I know that, you know, you being very business forward in your approach to voiceover, um, you know, you're very acutely aware that right now you're flatter than you should be. You're flatter than you normally are. How are you seeing the market? And I apologize to all my people for mucking with my ear so much. How are you seeing, what are you seeing changes in market-wise that you think is coming into play on your own ledger? So, first of all, the, you know, everybody wants to talk about AI and, and it needs to be talked about. I think that AI is having an impact. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's having an impact already in the lower tier work. And when I say that, what I mean is, the the work the genres especially that don't require as much nuance that don't require as much pure acting chops right it's not that the work is lesser because it all pays you know uh, cash money uh but it is it require it doesn't require as high a level of acting skill. artistry and it's 
artistry yeah. exactly and so ai is able to replicate that more easily uh because there is less nuance there is less artistry involved and we're already seeing that in uh e-learning we're seeing it in uh especially a lot of stuff that's driven by you know people are checking a box corporate compliance stuff where quality was never really a, a driver in the first place so AI is coming through and picking off a lot of that work. And quite frankly, I think that's a good thing for our business, right? Uh, if it's going to take work that we otherwise find drudgery, you know, find as drudgery or doesn't pay well, or work that we were never going to get in the first place as human voice actors, things like back, you know, encyclopedic content right. that was never going to be cost efficient to hire a voice actor to do in the first place. Well, now that content can be published in audio format, and, and that was probably never going to happen. That's going to help a lot of people, a lot of sight-impaired people uh, that ha will now have access to that content that couldn't happen before. So AI is not always the big uh, bad wolf that we make it out to be. There's going to be some good that comes from it. Uh, but it is definitely going to affect the voiceover business. Uh, I think a lot of it is a matter of perspective. If you approach your i have been saying this a lot this week if you approach your craft and your business like a craft and a business then i think you're going to be fine because you're going to train and up your skill level to be able to master that nuance and that artistry that we were talking about before good voice actors i think will always work right uh, AI in the in the let's think about it in the movie space, right? Yes, uh, Marvel can make Kurt Russell thirty years younger, but they still are going to hire Kurt Russell, right? I think in the end we're going to work alongside of AI, right? The the people that that work on their craft and treat it like a business will learn to work alongside AI. It will become a tool that we'll just work with, like mocap, right? Uh, but a lot of that lower level, what we might consider developmental work, will go away. And I saw this happen in my former industry. I was in radio for 15 years. And when I started, every shift was manned by a human being, right? And then voice tracking came in and the technology uh, got more sophisticated. And now, you know, nobody works weekend overnights. And that's where I started my right. radio career, right? That developmental work was the first to go away, mm -hmm. right? Because it was the least focused on quality. And that's, I think there's a parallel there with, with voiceover. I, a lot of yeah, that. Not only was it the least on quality, it was because, you know, I was, I was getting out of broadcasting right at the, right at the beginning of automation. And mm -hmm. Really what it was, was less a focus, not on quality so much, but on personality, on the fact that you need a personality to keep a station going. That suddenly became obvious that you could get away without it. Not that it was better or worse, but that you could get away without it. And of course, a corporation or a broadcasting conglomerate is going to want to cut that corner. And we're going to have the same thing, like you mentioned in in vo where there's going to be certain places to where that level of quality or personality isn't needed mm -hmm. nobody really needs a deep seated personality reading the rise and fall of the roman empire all 13 uh it, you know 13 volumes of it right but as you said and as a disabled person myself and a disabled advocate um you know there are parts of artificial intelligence and generative ai 
that I'm looking forward to because, as you said, it will open more doors for people to get access yeah. to information that they wouldn't have. And this whole thing, when this first bubbled over, and of course, you know, one of the one of the bellwethers that people seemed to think was there was uh, Audible's admission that they were going to be using generative AI voice for certain titles, um, you know, and it, and they they stated expressly that was their main goal to provide voice to things that wouldn't normally get that treatment. Huge compendiums or, you know, things that were really, as you said, encyclopedic. I'm in favor of breaking down barriers for anyone who wants access to information. And I agree with you that I think what's happening right now, more than anything, is less an invasion of AI and more a, a weeding and winnowing of our industry. And it's drawing a more distinct line between voiceover practitioners who are there to merely narrate and voiceover practitioners that are there to bring a personality and to act and to show artistry. I think that's largely true. I think the gulf, and, and J. Michael Collins has said something similar as well, the gulf, the divide between the established, experienced, uh, in the context of this conversation, we'll call them artists, sure. right? Uh, those those folks that have had the time to develop their craft over years and years and years. The gulf between those folks and folks starting out is going to widen, right? It's going to get chasmic uh, because a lot of that developmental work will go away and it will be harder to make that jump as we move on in time, especially, and I think that's one of the direct effects of AI. I think you're right. I also think that, um, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll pose this in the form of a question. Do you feel okay. now, as opposed to when we made the transition from broadcast, you know, into this home and independent space, do you think it's harder now than it was then to get in, to make that transition? I think it is because, uh, A, well, when, we, when, the, when COVID-19 hit, everybody was scrambling to try and find a way to put food on the table from home. Yeah. And so we saw a huge influx, a flood of new talent into voiceover. Uh, and I think a lot of people already, uh, when they figured out just how hard this business is, uh, they've already gone by the wayside. I still think we're in a bit of a bubble. I think it's going to take uh, a little bit more for that bubble to even out. But we had a, a huge influx of talent followed by AI. Right. So this 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 big crescendo and then this big, uh, if you want to put it that way, sort of crash and coming back to back, it feels like there's a lot of turmoil in this business. If you've been around in voiceover for a little while, it it's certainly less scary, less volatile because you've you've seen some of the ebbs and flows, but also you had time to get established. And the folks that that uh, many of the folks that came in during the pandemic haven't had that time and are you know what was available even two years ago may not be might, may not be available now and that's that's a reckoning of sorts mm -hmm. and I think it's very uh, upsetting for a lot of folks and and I totally get it uh, but I still think if you stay focused on your craft if you stay focused on treating this like a business that you can and will thrive and i think uh when we come back on the other side of this break that's the direction we're gonna head 
it, we have to, anybody getting into this business right now needs to be business forward. Um, unlike the days when you and I might've gotten in, no matter what our, our personal tack on it was being in entrepreneurs and business people, we are seeing that those that are unprepared for treating this like a business first are the ones that are going to really struggle. But as I said, we are headed to a break. This, of course, is Booth to Booth. That, of course, is my good friend, Paul Schmidt. I'm Andrew Scott, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere, please. Bye-bye. Booth to Booth is brought to you in part by BoothStuff.com, the home of the world's most unique VO casual fashion and swag. You know, this thing that we do is pretty unique. So slap on a Booth Stuff t-shirt that tells the world, or, you know, your cat, that being in a tiny room by yourself is where you truly belong. Shirts, hats, pants, mugs, and more. Well, not a lot more. Actually, that's pretty much it. Anyway, Booth Stuff is the one and only home for VO-centric swag that lets the world know what you do with that mouth of yours. So head on over to BoothStuff.com and get something that shows the world who you are and what you love to do. BoothStuff.com. Loud and proud. And hello and welcome back to Booth the Booth, the big little show all about VO. I, of course, am Andrew Scott, and I am speaking today with one of my favorite people in the VO sphere, Mr. Paul Schmidt. And Paul, um, you know, when we went out uh, to the break, I was mentioning, like you, that I think one of the one of the great dividers in who's going to succeed in independent VO and who's going to struggle is the ability to come into this pursuit, this practice with a business mind that either equals or is slightly greater than that of the artistic mind. Um, and you know, you of course are the, uh, the progenitor of the VO Freedom Masterclass, a real roadmap that, that gets people new to this industry, very familiar with treating it like a business, not treating it like something fun, Although, you know, you can do that concurrently and you really have to. Otherwise, you're going to hate your former love of VO and you're going to wind up hating your business because it's ineffective. Um, when we're talking about people that are thinking about coming into the VO sphere right now, what is the, what is the, the top line that they should be thinking of by way of treating this like a business? And, and really, what of that has changed in the last eight, nine months? Okay. Uh, I think top line in terms of treating it like a business is the recognition that, you know, a lot of people have heard about voiceover long before they've ever gotten in. And I think a lot of people are aware of gig economy sites like Fiverr and Upwork, uh, maybe even aware of the voiceover specific sites like 123 and Voices uh, and Badalgo and Cast Voices and the rest. And I think there's still a very strong mentality out there that says, oh, okay, if I learn to do the job, if I learn to, you know, uh, perform, if I learn to record and edit and I have a good space, then I can then just jump on the, the, the online casting sites and make a good living. That was true maybe five or ten years ago. It's not true. No, anymore. I agree. It was, it was less true in 2019 than it was in 2015 and then when covid hit it upended everything yeah. 
right? Because the pay-to-plays got flooded <laughs> because that's the only way that people knew how to find work. And admittedly, our industry is awful at teaching people how to find work on their own. We are trained to sit on the pay-to-plays. We're trained to find an agent and to do those agent auditions and hope we get something there. But we're very passive. Uh, and the, the, the best illustration of that is the State of VO survey, which every year asks people, how often do you reach out to market your services? And 75% of us say less than three times a day, which is mind-boggling uh-huh. to me because if you go, go into any other business on earth, right, the primary function is sales and marketing, yeah. right? That's how you get business in the door. But we as voice actors, and I think a lot of us you know, approach this uh, from an artistic background, certainly from an actor's background, we're trained that the audition is the only way to get business, and that's just certainly not true. hasn't been true for 10 or 15 years. I agree. Um, and so I think to understand that you're going to have to market your services and that 90 uh-huh, made up statistic, 94% of people, right. but it's in the nineties, uh, have no previous marketing or sales background. And that's nobody's fault. That's just life, right? right? We all have diverse professions, yeah. but understand that it's something you're going to have to do. So it's something you're going to have to learn. Um, and that's, you know, primary, your primary function as a business person is going to be to get business in the door. And if you rely solely on auditions, uh, auditions, it, it, you know, elite talent are booking three, four, five auditions out of a hundred, right? If, if you're less than elite, that's maybe one or two or less per 100. Yep. So that's a big time suck. Uh, that doesn't always lead to, uh, a, a profitable living. And so the recognition top line that you have to market and you're going to have to learn how to market if you don't already know. Uh, and that changes rapidly, right? We've got tools and processes that, uh, you know, I, I'm teaching an entirely different process than I was two years ago. So as, as market conditions change, as tools change, as technologies change, you got to stay on top of this stuff. So that's number one. What's changed in the last eight to nine months, I think, is the recognition that there's less work out there. Uh, we all, I think most of us, I, I don't want to speak for the whole industry, but I certainly believe that this is temporary. It may be medium-term temporary as opposed to short-term, but I think the business will come back. It will come back with, I think, a lot fewer voice actors that I believe will be better trained because I think we are having kind of an awakening in this business that if we're not well-trained, that bot is going to take our work, right? Yeah. It's just a fact. And so there's no substitute for being good. Uh, I think that I think that awakening is one positive thing for the industry that has happened in the last eight or nine months. I, uh, I like your analogy. Um, I like your view on this. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the many things that I did, uh, in my life, pre-voiceover is I was a machinist and a millwright and I worked in heavy industry for a long time. And, uh, I remember, uh, my, my father worked for a very, very large, uh, manufacturer in the upper Midwest right at the time when robotics came into play. And, uh, Mm -hmm. they did a, a big show back in like 76, 77, where they were demonstrating this this assembly robot, you know, to, uh, in an, in an open house and it had a broom and it was, you know, doing all that stuff. And of course that immediately engendered a fear into the, the public about, well, the robots are here to take our jobs. 
And it really wasn't that. And that wasn't borne out. It was borne out that uh, a number of automated robotic processes were there to take away certain mundane aspects of employment. But most of those people who were removed from the broom sweeping brigade, for a better way to say it, um, were, were trained up, were changed out of that position into a higher skilled position. And I agree with you. I think that that's what we're going to be seeing here in the coming years. Yes, there are going to be, there's going to be a segment of the VO industry, the indie VO industry, for whom they're not going to be able to move fast enough. They're not going to be able to jump high enough. They're not going to be able to make that transition and that change and up their skills and up their performances. And they're going to fall away. And they're going to fall away partly due to skill, but also partly due to the lack of perseverance and the lack of ability to understand and appreciate that now's the time to up my game. Now's the time to go and take those in-person acting classes. Now's the time to sign up for something like the VO Freedom Masterclass in order to really get a handle on these changes, how they're going to affect your, your forward progress, and what to do to pivot and put yourself in a better position. The better trained you are, whether it's on the marketing side or the performance side, uh, or even the tech side, uh, the more options you give yourself. Better is better. Right? Better is better. There's no substitute for being good. Yep. Right. Um, and, you know, if you think if you think the elite voice actors out there aren't training you're wrong, they're they're the ones to train the most. So, uh, you know, the old saying, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse yep. is absolutely true, because if you are staying the same and everyone around you is training and getting better, uh, you're getting worse by comparison. Exactly. And that's why I, I said that. I think that that's the, the video that you commented on of mine uh, was, mm -hmm. you know, when I was talking in one of my recent videos and I'll, I'll link to it up here. Uh, as a voiceover coach, talking to people and dispelling this misconception that working with a voiceover coach is a thing that's got a fixed goal and a fixed end to it. And it's not. It's it's like, uh, you know, working, being a quarterback. Every quarterback in the NFL still works with a quarterback coach and an off offensive coordinator. And, you know, they don't stop. Pavarotti had a had a voice coach up until the day he died. And it's because I, I, I think one of the things that voiceover coaching really does for people that is irreplaceable is it gives them a different point of view on their own practice and where they are, either via their performance or their business or their technical skills. Our industry quite often can be very insular. We get in our booths and, you know, we've got our battle stations with all our... and we can kind of forget that the outside world is there doing its own thing. And so is our whole industry. And if you don't get that dispassionate yet personal point of view on your practice in your own business, you're kind of flying blind. Absolutely. And that's, to me, community is one of the biggest uh, assets that we have as voice actors. First of all, and I've said this a hundred times before, this voice acting community is like no other it is so awesome. that I've ever been associated with. It is it's amazing, so good. right? So collaborative, so supportive. People are there to help you, period. Um, and I think one of the reasons, like you, we talked a little bit before we came on about conferences and uh, you know, going to Mavo coming up. I was just at One Voice in Dallas and my son, who's 16, 
He said to me one day a couple of years ago, he's like, Dad, what do you do with these conferences? And I was like, honestly, dude, I laugh and tell stories with my friends for three days. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, is that you going there just to hang out? I said, no, this is the programming's valuable. We all learn a lot. We exchange information. But the, the bonding and the support and the recognition that, holy shit, I'm not going through this stuff on my right? own is huge, right? And that's why I think we're so, we're always happy to see each other. There's hugs and high fives and you name it. Um, and, and, and I think it's because of what you touched on, Andrew. We're, you know, like I had a call today with Dan Friedman uh, down in Asheville. And Dan had a shirt on that says, you know, I, I, I sit in a dark room, in a dark padded room, talking to myself all day and hearing voices. That's what yeah, we do for a living. Bet. And it makes us a little squirrely. So when we're around each other, we kind of lose our shit a little bit, right? We're like, <laughs> My people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I think that's I think that's one of the great things about this business. But to your point, uh, yeah, community is hugely important because it gives you perspective. It's real easy, especially for people who, you know, your spouse, your domestic partner, whoever it might be, uh, your loved ones, they go off and do their jobs mm -hmm. outside the home during the day. And so you're home all day. Uh, and it's real easy to, to use your word, get really insular, right? And really isolated. Siloed is and really one of my favorite words because it literally feels like, you know, being a kid back in the eighties in some yeah. empty corn silo going, okay, it's just yeah. me now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's very dangerous. It's dangerous for our mental health. It's dangerous for our businesses. Uh, it leads to, you know, when we don't have, when we don't see the successes of others, we don't see, we don't celebrate our own success. We get really sometimes complacent or even discouraged, uh, and I think that's really, really dangerous. If we don't keep the mind right, then nothing else will follow. Amen. And you know, for me, uh, one of my one of my mos with my content, and I know one of the mos for your presence on both, you know, uh, FaceTube and and you know. Uh, and and book, you book, you book? yeah, I was, <laughs> was reaching for that joke, but 55 years old, man, um, is inspiration. I think inspiration is a really undervalued thing in our industry. I think we come at this like we should already be inspired because we obviously, unless this has been like a lifelong dream of yours since you were a kid like me, because uh, I was weird, is you know, you probably got in because you were inspired by somebody. But when you get in and you start the practice, we tend to devalue inspiration and we confuse it with this weird jealousy of somebody else accomplishing, accomplishing something that you want. And because you can't, you did something wrong or they cheated. And I yeah. really dislike yeah. that. And I agree with you that the solution for that misunderstanding, that misapprehension is community. And either, yeah. you know, with my community on the booth to booth discord server, which is a very vibrant place or on, you know, your platforms, I know that, you know, you, you've got, you get a lot of really valuable interaction with people on your Facebook profile, which is, you know, where we, we see each other there quite often. That leads me to an interesting question before we transition into something else. And that is really, who were your inspirations? Who inspires you to this day as well, as far as this, this business goes? 
think the first uh, big inspiration I had in this business, um, the first conference I ever went to was Mavo. So to be chosen to speak at Mavo coming up uh, this fall right. is, is kind of special to me. And one of the first people that I met at Mavo was uh, a name that probably a lot of people in the community will know, Brad Hyman. Oh, yeah. And uh, Brad had just gone full-time, pro- I want to say in the, la- in, the, in the previous year to two, mm-hmm. right? But he had had a long uh, career as uh, worked in landscaping, right? And he was, uh, if I remember right, he was either a general manager or he was a general sales manager or something for a landscaping company. He did that for a very long time and had always dreamt of voiceover. And in his late 50s, uh, he made the jump, you know, he had the support of his, uh, wife, Kathy, and they, you know, he tells the story often. Hey, they were out riding bikes one day and he was going on about voiceover and voiceover and voiceover. She's, will you just take a Do shot it. at this? Dude, please. Right. Stop yeah. 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 And so, you know, at that age and I'm only a couple of years, I'm 56, right. so I'm only a few years behind Brad. Uh, and I was making the same transition. And even at that point, I think he had already uh, been booked as uh, Santa Claus and Elf on the Shelf and was making really, really great inroads into the business. And now, of course, you know, several years later, he's, you know, bordering on freaking legend. Right. Um, but uh, he was one of those guys that I went that that he was the guy that I looked at and went, I could take that path. Uh-huh. Right. Because he's not too dissimilar from sure. me. He's relatable right. to me. Right. And I think so often we look at people that are too far ahead and we play the comparison with others game, which never serves anybody, right? Keep your mind right. Compare yourself with yourself yesterday, yourself last month, yourself last year, right? Look to those other people. Like when I hear Brad's work, like I get inspired because I'm thinking, man, that's good stuff. I want to be able to do that, right? And, uh, you know, years later, after a lot of training, when I'm able to look back at my old work and cringe, that's a good thing. Exactly. Right? The cringe is a great thing because the cringe means you've developed. The cringe is a measure right? of how far, how far you've come. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it is. And, um, and I think anybody that has a mindset of um, comparison to others, that's a no-win situation. That is simply you beating yourself up rather than controlling what you can control and doing the work that it takes daily. Amen. Right? One of my, one of my favorite books is atomic habits by James. Oh Clear. yeah. Fantastic he, book. The, I'll link to it down in the description because I, I was floored by that book and how, just how pertinent it was. I was too. The crux of the title atomic habits means not these big atomic bombs sort of intense things that we attempt to do. It's not about that at all. It's about habits that are tiny, like atoms, that stack together, make molecules, which make, you know, complex everything else and, you know, becomes the world around us. And that's exactly what habits are. They're tiny things that you do every day that when stacked over time, make incredible changing yourself at the quantum level. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So look, let's do a quick pivot here. And, um, you know, you did a presentation at the, uh, just a couple months ago at uh, one voice conference in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Uh, how did it go? How did, how were you received? Well, you'd have to ask the folks that were in the room. Oh, that's true. uh, I I was giving you space to crow a little bit, but that's that's incredibly (laughs) humble of you. You're right. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> uh, I think it was I think it was fairly well received. And and what we talked about was how to sort of uh, future proof your business when we have some scary things. Fantastic going on, right, segue point, Paul. Yeah, let's talk about that. Right. So I think one of the things is that um, the you know freelancing. Let's talk about things outside of voiceover. Freelancing in general is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And we kind of got in, into our in our talk in Dallas. We kind of got into the whys and wherefores and going all the way back to the '60s and '70s and Milton Friedman and the the you know putting the shareholder at the top of the pyramid right. and everything else. But the long story short is there's less loyalty. Right? You and I, our parents went to work for a company maybe 25, 30 yep. years, got a nice pension, retirement, mm-hmm. maybe even a little gold watch. Right. right? You knew the company was going to take care of you. That doesn't happen anymore. And so, you know, people are we people have assumed risk as individuals more and more as the decades have gone on, and that's why freelancing has grown because it's not that much greater a risk anymore for someone to jump out of a job where the employer's showing them uh, no uh, loyalty. Well, they might as well become a free agent at that point. Um, freelancing will have doubled in the last five mm-hmm. years, uh, and Gen X now prefers freelancing. They, they freelance 52% of uh, Gen yeah. X is our freelancers. And I think right? a lot of that also has so the, to do with our generation. It was really the first generation that went, you know what? I don't trust that that company is going to be there for me. I think it's the, exactly. it's the built-in, not cynicism, but the built-in realism of our generation going, you know what? This feels suspiciously like late-stage capitalism to me, so I would really much rather be piloting my own boat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and so we talked about that. And, and I think the upshot of that for us, Andrew, is to, yes, if, if you're a voice talent and, and that's your primary love, that's who you are. But it doesn't mean that's all you have to do. And I think the, the mindset where we have one thing that we do to bring in income has to change. I agree. Right? I agree. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I think we've got to diversify, uh, for, for a lot of people, they have to diversify their income streams. For, so, for example, if you're primarily a voice talent, uh, maybe you uh, can also take on audio editing. Maybe you're good on social media and can help people with that. Maybe you're also a photographer, uh, a video editor, whatever it is. Uh, think of ourselves more as creative freelancers exactly. and less as, you know, I'm this one thing. Yeah, right? I agree. I think a I lot think of it has dangerous. to do with transitioning out of the mindset of I'm a VO guy or I'm a VO gal and moving into a broader definition of what you do. I've always said, even before it was kind of a term, I've always marketed myself as a content creator. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's just it. You know, I'm very open in, uh, and I mentioned this to you pre, pre-show, um, you know, half of my business is video edit and half of my business is video. I, and also uh, proofreading, copywriting, script writing, uh, directed sessions, things like that. I'm not a fan of all eggs in one basket. You are going to wind up with uh, six eggs instead of a dozen and four of them will be broken before you want. So, yeah, it's right. it's diversifying yourself. And I think the big thing that that we're probably not speaking directly to, but we should be, is that What we need in this industry right now in order for the most of us to make this transition that is that we're currently in the middle of 
is a, a reanalysis and a redefinition of who we are and what we do as business people. Absolutely. I think that uh, if we, first of all, I think we need to redefine how we uh, define success, right? Uh, it, it's not about, at least it's less about, especially for creative freelancers, it's not about the big house and the cars. It's more about freedom and flexibility and being able to, you know, go pick your kids up from school. And, uh, you know, maybe the, the trade for that is, yeah, you're doing a voice job at nine o'clock at night, right? Our, our time is much more free and flexible, potentially, than it ever has been. And with that comes the ability to see ourselves as, uh, you use the term content creator, I say creative freelancer, but it's the same it thing. Um, and, and to be able to come from a place of service, to be able to, uh, you know, have a conversation with somebody, figure out what kind of help that they need, and to be able to help them solve whatever pain points they have. That at the that's at the core of every business. But I think we so we get so locked in on, you know, I have to do this thing in order for me to be a success to myself. I look at the total uh, uh, sort of uh, cost benefit analysis of your entire life, right? Yep. Uh, look at what provides you joy. Is that is that money? Is that time freedom? Is that flexibility? Is it family time? What is it to you? And then sort of as best you can de design or devise your income strategy to lead to that result. And I think that that's an F that I'm going to make be the caboose of your two, your freedom and your flexibility. And that is something that I think people don't take into consideration enough when thinking about this pursuit and that is fulfillment. And, you know, <laughs> I always, I always go back to, uh, to John Cusack and say anything. Uh, I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to market anything. I don't want to be involved. You know, he's got this list of all these things that he doesn't want to be. Um, and that's great. It's, you know, still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but there's, there's an okayness that comes with marketing yourself, with selling yourself and your services, because what you get at the end of that, if you're successful, is a fulfillment that Gen X specifically has looked for um, in employment that they don't often find. You're not normally going to get that in a corporate environment. God knows I didn't. That's why I didn't last. But right. being able to say, you know, I'll sum it up this way. At the beginning of the pandemic, I really stepped off a lot of social media myself and for various reasons. But a lot of it was because at that very shaky time in our history as a culture and, and as a planet, frankly, I made a conscientious decision to stop being merely a consumer and to switch over and spend the rest of my days and my life energy being a creator. And I'm much happier and more fulfilled because of it. Has it been completely smooth sailing in my business? No, I'm in a downturn right now myself, but I go to bed every night going, I created something. It doesn't matter what it is. It might be a spreadsheet. It might be another chapter in uh, my upcoming book. It might be a VO for somebody who said, I know this is really inconsequential, but could you help me with this VO? And I gave them exactly what they wanted and I gave them more than they wanted and they're thrilled. Those things are the reward for me. Yeah, the yep. money coming in, that's something else. But if I go to bed every night going, I put something good into this world, I feel fulfilled because of that. 
that's got a value that actually does translate to my ledger because it means I'm not going to burn out. It means I'm going to be able to ride through those dips because what I'm doing is fulfilling me in other ways. And I think that that is completely underappreciated in the equation of whether or not I should be pursuing being a content freelancer. I agree. And I, I, I read a, an interview with George Clooney years and years ago, and uh, I'm going to, it's not verb, you know, verbatim, but uh, essentially what he said was there are movies, projects that I get to do, and there are projects that I kind of have to do uh -huh. because the ones that I kind of have to do fund the ones that I get yeah. to do. Right. So he's able to be a producer and to be able to do passion projects because he does this more commercial stuff that he doesn't always love as much artistically, but he understands the relationship between the two. And I think no matter what business you're in, there's stuff that you have to hold your nose and kind of do because you have to, but that's what allows you to do the stuff that you love to do. I don't always love marketing, right? Sometimes it's a drudgery. Sure. But if I don't market, I don't get to do the mic work that I love to do, right? And and that's the that's the sort of yin yang relationship that the that anybody faces in their business. Chop wood, you carry, gotta yeah. do the tough Chop stuff. Chop wood, carry water, man. Carry water, <laughs> exactly. Nobody Absolutely. wants to, but you know what? Everybody wants it yeah. done. Everybody wants yeah. to be warm and have something to drink. So, yep. Um, before we uh, sum up, I have a question from the Boothcamp Discord server. Uh, my question. Uh, is uh, my user Dustin asked something that kind of made a bit of a kerfuffle in our industry uh, a few weeks or a couple months ago. Uh, and I'm not going to name names and be super specific, but if you're on social media and you follow the VO world, especially that of animation, you kind of heard of this. Um, he wants to know, what would you do if you found that your voice was cloned for a project, and let's say that it wasn't even a commercialized project. Nobody's making money on, on this dynamic. But somebody cloned your voice without your expressed consent. And, um, you know, in, in the instance of this, uh, of this question, this was somebody did a generative AI project that required some voice actors, had some voice actors that they knew step in, but one of the key figures in this project's voice was not available to be to be done by anybody else. So uh, they cloned a rather noted VO animation actor, uh, cloned their voice and used it. It was nothing but a passion project. But honestly, this this VO artist found out and immediately got on social media and put the entire thing on blast and really um kind of kind of went personal with it. if that were to happen to you paul how would you how would you address it and how would you not address it how, you know what's your tack well knowing you know having the benefit of knowing that story now i would like to think that i wouldn't uh wouldn't be you know especially if it's a non-commercial thing i'm not losing any money it's not that big a deal the things that i want to protect are my reputation and my business, right? My wallet. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the first thing is to kind of establish context. Is this, you know, was this relatively harmless? Is this something that jeopardizes either my wallet or my reputation? Uh, a good example is Bev Standing, right? When, when TikTok uh, commandeered her voice when they bought a company that she had done trans uh, AI work for, mm -hmm. 
they they just made her the voice of uh, text to speech right. on TikTok. And the problem with that is it compromises it compromised Bev's reputation because she her voice was being used to say things that would never come out of her right. mouth, right? Often sometimes vile, foul things. So that was that's a really good example of how your reputation can be affected. If that weren't the case, and if my wallet's not being protected, then I just want to kind of have a conversation with that person um, to figure out, you know, what's the context? What was their aim? Are they planning to use this in the future? Things like that. There are other cases. Uh, for example, in my YouTube channel, we talked to an Irish voice actor, Remy Michelle right. Clark who had her voice, she originally thought, stolen by AI. And as it turns out, she had signed a bad contract for work she had done with Microsoft. Yep. And Microsoft very legally sold her voice, her cloned voice, to an AI site, I think called Revoice. I think it was, yeah. And, you know, she now fully admits that she signed a bad contract. She didn't yeah, know. And, and that could happen to any Exactly, in much the same way that we right. got Siri. I mean... You know, exactly. the 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 yeah. the voice performer that did Siri did not work for Apple. They worked for another content farm that they signed a contract with. It was all completely legal. She she earned some decent money from that. But, you know, yeah. a, a lot of people out or in the VO sphere, but outside that dynamic went, you know, Apple stole that stuff. Imagine how much money she'd get from Apple. Well, the point is, is that she didn't do true due diligence on her own behalf back then. And signed into a contract that allowed a reselling of her material years after the fact. That's largely true. The other thing that we have to be constantly aware of is the way technology is evolving. We have no idea how our voice, our recordings may be used in the future. And so the trap is we, we're not fortune tellers, right? And so we've got to rely on our legal people and on organizations like NAVA, National Association of Voice Actors, to try to not only push legislation, which, are, which protects our consent, control, and compensation, but also tries to be a bit of a fortune teller and try and figure out, okay, how do we future-proof our businesses and protect those three Cs moving forward for technologies we haven't even dreamt of yet? Exactly. Right? That's, that's the problem. Um, and so... Coming back to those three C's, those are the things that I want to that I want to retain: control, consent, and compensation. Sometimes compensation isn't always in the mix. Right. For example, fan work. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this example that you brought up. Uh, I would like to think that most people are reasonable, but if I find out that my reputation is being compromised or my business is being compromised. Then I'm going to have to either try and work that out diplomatically or go after them legally. And I think the, to, to sum that whole dynamic up, you would start with a shot across the bow versus going nuclear on social media immediately. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a shot across the bow. I would call it a conversation. Yeah, a, a knock, a knock on the door. I was just... Yeah, a knock on the door. I was, I yeah. was, just, I was uh, too, too military in my assessment uh, just because uh, the, the initial response was so vocal, so public, and, yeah. you know, so viscerally driven. Um, and I, look, I don't agree with that, but I certainly understand sure. it, right? Especially for, you know, if somebody has reached a certain amount of success, they're, ironically, even more vulnerable than yeah. the everyday lunch pail voice actors that you and I right. are, right? 
So nobody wants, I understand. Nobody wants to clone in every uh, in, in every man. You you already have that. You know, possibly, yeah. Certainly not for this this fan fiction example right. that you that you brought up. Um, and so I understand the visceral fear behind that, but I do think you've got to take a step back and 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 understand that we're going to get a lot further, a lot faster if we all work together. Well, and I'll give you and, I'll give you the ability to plug your mug and say kill it with kindness. You know, come at this with come at this with kindness first. <laughs> I have to reach back behind my monitor to get mine that you sent me. Um, nice. As we go out here, what is mm-hmm. the what do you think the future holds? Let's do a little bit of crystal balling and prognostication. Okay. And I know I'm asking wow. for the impossible right now, but let's let's try to dial it in into the rest of this year and through 24. What are you seeing on the horizon for our industry? I think uh, a rising awareness among the general public and therefore among lawmakers. Uh, that we need to be protected from uh, from unforeseen consequences of AI. Uh, the <laughs> law will never catch up to, to, to the technology, but it's got a lot of catching up to do yeah. because uh, not only are – I mean, nobody cares about the plight of the everyday voice actor, right? We're a small bunch, and, and we're not enough to move the needle. But when Joe Blow uh, gets his – a bank account broken into because he's had his voice cloned, which is a right? thing that's already happened. It's already happening. Uh, that's the kind of thing, and that's the kind of uh, consequence that's going to have to happen in order to motivate lawmakers to delve into this issue, to get behind it, and to put in protections that will protect all of us. And I think as voice actors, certainly we will be able to not only get those benefits, but I think we'll be able to piggyback as an industry based on work like the folks like Tim Friedlander and Karen Guilfrey at Nava are doing to try and get in front of lawmakers to raise that awareness and say, yes, this is a problem for everybody. This is a problem for you, Mr. and Mrs. Senator, uh, because you're going to be potentially vulnerable as well. It's a problem for everyday people, and it's a problem for our industry. So let's all agree on that, and let's put forward protections that are, you know, are appropriate for us all. I think that, uh, that uh, awareness will continue to increase. Um, I do think in the short to medium term, we are all vulnerable. We will, uh, there will be more Remy Michelle Clarks and, and, and I want to applaud Remy for being an example to the rest of us. It's real easy for her to say, man, I signed a bad contract. I feel awful about this. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to crawl in a hole and die. She didn't do that. She tells her story willingly so that the rest of us can benefit from her experience. Yeah, there's no there's no I, sense of I'm a victim here in Remy's approach. No. And I, I heard that no. when you were talking with her. I I heard that uh in in some uh some things that I've heard uh afterwards. And I think that you're right. Um we're gonna see more people who are willing to say this happened because of my not looking hard enough at what I was doing. And now I'm paying. Now there's a consequence. Yep. And when I say you have to treat it as a business, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. If you, the old, the old adage, if you think it's expensive to hire a lawyer, it's more expensive not to hire. Exactly. Right. right? Um, yeah. What are you going to be doing differently here in the, the next, uh, the next stretch of the future? Is there anything that you're putting in by way of action, either protective or remedial, to to make sure that you're going to be on the best footing possible. 
I'm trying to take my own advice and uh, <laughs> yeah. I've really, tr especially for, for 2023 and into 2024, uh, my, one of my focus, my, certainly my artistic focus is going to be on training. Uh, I've been training for months with Tina Morosco and she has changed my life. Uh, I continue, you know, I'm going to continue coaching with her. Uh, I'm going to continue to find ways to, uh, reach out either in a bigger scale or in a better way, I'm constantly looking at my processes and my messaging and how I'm interfacing with people uh, on the business side. Constantly looking at how can I improve my my marketing practices. Um, and and also, you know, you mentioned the VO Freedom Master Plan. We haven't really mentioned VO Pro. That's the community built, yes, around the master plan, but also a community on its own. I'm really trying to build community and education within our business because the the best way that we can survive this thing, Andrew, is to be educated, yeah. is to understand the forces at play and, and to be able to get the training that we need, to be able to come together as a community, to sometimes disagree, but let's do that civilly, sure. right? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on a video now where I vehemently disagree with another coach in this business, but I'm not going to attack him personally. I will attack his processes and his behaviors, but not him. No. Right. We need to have civil discourse because even when we disagree, because if we don't, we're just, you know, the house divided against itself. Yeah, right? And we're just making a bigger um, mess that we all have to live in. Absolutely. So I think we have to have hard conversations, but in a civil way. Yep. And again, approaching it with uh, kindness and a desire to find commonality goes a long way, even in this industry where so can. many people look at the other performer as competition. I don't. I yeah. look at them as inspiration. And I think that's less true in voiceover. I think it's true for I will agree. I think it's true I will theater. agree. I think it's way less true in And voiceover. I think a lot of people yeah. who do bring that kind of errant mentality are the ones that don't last because they're constantly looking at everybody as competition when, yeah. when they could be looking at them as inspiration and they wind up leaving disaffected because they don't get that level of traction because they don't afford Absolutely. themselves the opportunity to be inspired. Hit Absolutely. people up, Paul, with the uh, with the information, with the links to the uh, VO Master Plan and all your other good stuff as we head out here. Give you three quick links. Please. VOFreedomMasterPlan.com. It's all one, one URL, VOFreedomMasterPlan.com. Uh, the VO Pro, Pro community, you can find out more about that at VOPro.app. And then uh, all of that lives on paulschmidtpro.com. We've got resources, we've got videos, we've got blogs, we've got uh, you know discounts for things, uh, a lot of free resources. A lot um, of free so, resources. I, I back yeah. I back that up, and I want people to know that uh, you're a man cut of my own cloth, and that you are you are absolutely mindful of the fact that this is a business. But boy, you give a lot of stuff away for free, and it's got a real heavy value to what you are giving people without asking for anything else other than a smile. I appreciate that, Andrew. You know, I'm trying to, like, my my definition of success is how many people I can help at the end of the day. Sometimes that means getting paid. Sometimes it means just helping people, yep. right? And and you got, you got to be smart about both. Um, but at the end of the day, it's how many people did I, I help? I agree. Paul, It's uh, it's been great talking to you as always. I'm sure I'll see you in a number of months again on here, uh, everybody. This is the Booth to Booth podcast. Of course, I'm Andrew Scott, and that is friend of Booth to Booth, Paul Schmidt. And 
We will see you on the it's other great side. To catch up, you baby, too, dude. brother. I'm really glad that you were able Thanks. to be here. Thanks a lot. And I am too. From Always everybody fun. here at these booths, we say see you in the booth. Thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. From the beautiful Pacific Northwest, this has been Booth to Booth with Andrew Scott. Booth to Booth is a narrowband broadcast network production in association with andrewscottmedia.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Our theme music was written and produced by Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Christopher Vacano, webmaster. Available at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott. Available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got topic ideas, questions, or comments for the show? Email us at patchin at boothtoboothcom or by simply clicking the link in the description. On behalf of host Andrew Scott, I'm Gwen Steele. From our booth to yours, thanks for joining us. See you next time on Booth to Booth. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.